This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. A key theme of today's show is improvisation. So I am not in my usual studio with a lovely green screen behind me. I'm not even using the normal microphone because as you might know from a previous episode, the last microphone broke even though it was very expensive, about which I'm still furious. And you'll be delighted to know that there is a device that will make my expensive microphone work properly, but that will cost 135 pounds. So I've got to spend more money to get this expensive microphone to do its job, which I think you'll agree is a touch frustrating. Um, Micro USB, it's got this little connection, which is a very cheap and fiddly connection. And it's basically snapped inside. It's sort of broken off. Could get it fixed, but there's another thing you can do in a device anyway. So it's going to either I fix it, which will cost money or I buy this other device. And I'm tempted to do that because. Let's be honest, I need it. It's a device that is required. I mean, that's a big thing when it comes to spending money, by the way. If you've got a dilemma about whether to spend something, spend money on something. I mean, the first question is obviously, um, can I afford it? That's number one. I think we can all agree on that. But I think the other thing is, um, will I use it? I'm a great believer in that. Let's see you. Let's imagine you find a fancy dress or a fancy pair of trousers in a shop. And they're quite expensive and this and that. But you really like them and you know you're going to wear them. I think go for it. And so this device for me, will I use it? Will it be used? Yes, it will be used constantly and for the very foreseeable future. So I will probably rather annoyingly splash the cash. Um, But what I've done in the meantime is I have actually purchased a temporary, much cheaper microphone from Amazon. 30 quid all in for the microphone. Imagine like £31 with a little tripod. I think you'll agree it sounds all right. By the way, it probably would sound better, but I don't have my usual padding in the studio. I've got um, in my home studio, I've used a load of foam pillows in order to create a soft sound, good acoustics. I don't have that here. I'm just in a room. So If the microphone doesn't sound quite as good, it's probably just the acoustics rather than the microphone. I think for 30 quid, the microphone is not bad at all. Looks kind of retro. If you're watching on YouTube, it's like one of those 1970s microphones. You can imagine Johnny Carson might have had one of these or Terry Wogan. Is there a little... I feel like I'm getting a squeak back. It's not perfect, is it? But listen, we will crack on because we have no alternative. So I'm not in my normal place. I'm not using the normal microphone, but I'm making the best out of a bad situation because I want to deliver a podcast to you, come what may. Um, And that's the big thing is improvise, you know. So I've, I've sorted out this replacement mic and I'm not in my usual place where I record the podcast and it doesn't matter and we just go with it. And that's a big thing in life. It's just to go with it. When I was at uni, I did a lot of improvised comedy. I don't know if you've ever seen a TV programme called 
whose line is it anyway? But that's in which a show in which a bunch of comedians are given audience suggestions for scenes to play out and then they just make it up as they go along. A lot of very good comedy is improvised these days. Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Larry David sitcom. There's a storyline and there is a place where the scene needs to go. But above me on that, they improvise. Who knew? And improvising is just a great way to go through your life. There's a story about the British politicians in the 1970s negotiating with the European Economic Community. And apparently the Europeans were very well organised and had all their paperwork and looked like they were going to win the battle, the sort of diplomatic battle that was going on. But as the days went by and the nights got longer, the Brits got better because they could improvise and think outside the box and were not reliant and just like notes and preparation. And uh, they apparently prevailed. And I think beer and sandwiches were involved. If you are at work and there's a problem and there's no obvious solution, improvise. Try something. Necessity is the mother of invention. When I'm broadcasting, I improvise a lot. It's probably the best bit. When I do stand-up comedy, those little bits in between where you just come up with something on the spur of the moment, hot off the press. The audience love it because they know that it's new. They know it's come out of your head and it's really the magic bit. That's the bit where they go, wow, how'd you do that? That's decent. So improvise, improvise all the way. If you're making, doing public speaking, have your notes, be prepared, but chuck in a bit of improv around it. Go with the flow. Um, what I learned doing improv comedy is that it's never going to fall over. Just own it. Just free wheel, baby. Improvise, improvise, improvise. You know, break break out of the uh, the script sometimes. You know, in any way you can. You're in a kitchen and you're sort of making some food. And you're like, well, let's just, I don't know, let's just put some paprika in. You're not supposed to put paprika in, but let's just see what happens. I'm going to, I'm just going to chuck some walnuts in here. I mean, I'm a big improviser. When I did a TV reality show called Come Dine With Me on Channel 4, that's a show in which you compete with a group to provide or deliver the best dinner party. So I think there's four of us in the group and it's four separate shows. No, it's not, is it? Is it four shows? No, I think it's one episode. That's right, it's one episode. And it comprises four dinner parties. So you have a dinner party and the other three, each of them has a dinner party. And then the group, whoever's having the dinner party, the other three vote on the quality of the food. And then whoever gets the most votes wins. And I won Come Dine With Me. I was the champion of that show. It was a Christmas special. And I had, I went for a Dickensian Christmas so I had my winter pea soup. Now, pea soup is the nickname they used to give to the London fog, which was a mixture of fog and pollution. And it was called a pea super because it was so foggy that you couldn't see through it. You couldn't see through the air in the way that you couldn't see through pea soup. It was a pea super. I hope that's a satisfactory and accurate
depiction of the story. I think it is. See, look, I just improvised there. I came up with a depiction. When I relaxed, I gave it a few seconds. You had to wait for the word. I had to wait, but it was okay. No one panicked and we got there in the end. I learned that when I was skiing, by the way. I was partly taught to ski by this guy who was a professional skier for many years. Um, you talked about like when you were skiing, if you hit the ice, you begin to slide. But he said, just relax because it will eventually come to a standstill. You will stop. The, the ice will stop you eventually. You're moving. You just relax and eventually it will you'll stop sliding. Rather than when you're sliding, you think, oh, that's it. I'm just going to slide right to the bottom. But you don't. Eventually, you kind of catch a bit of snow. Um, so when you improvise, you just relax if things are not going the way they're supposed to and embrace that. I mean, you've been in a meeting where something unexpected happens and someone makes a remark and everyone cracks up. It's great, isn't it? Or maybe you've been grilled and you've been asked a tough, tough, tough question and you've given them the most brilliant answer. And you're like, where did that come from? Well, that's improv. It's improv, baby. Um, now, I made a big mistake, which is I was in mid anecdote and I've now gone backwards. Well, I apologize, by the way, because it's one in the morning and I am what they describe as a cream, a karakad. But you will get that podcast. If it kills me, you will get it. Anyway, what was the bloody, oh, God, improv, improv. And you're probably yelling at me because you probably know where I was in the story. But, yeah, just um, just go with the flow. Uh, at work, I learn a lot from the work environment about life and about human nature and about the pursuit of success. And having goals and motivation and running a team and all of that stuff, collaboration. And I was making a show yesterday and there were lots of things going very badly wrong, like proper badly wrong. And I could see that everyone was doing their best and it actually wasn't their fault. You know, there were issues with the technology. It was not good. And I was the presenter and I luckily was in good shape because, you know, when you're tired or like you're really run down, then little things can be very annoying. And then you're like less patient with people. Have you noticed that when you're tired, you're less patient, which is why sleep is so important. But, you know, I think my energy tanks were full and I could see this crisis was on enveloping. And I just kept saying, take your time. There's no rush. There's nobody's fault. We'll get there in the end. These things happen. My son missed his train the other day. It was a bit annoying. We had to rebook the ticket. Cost money. But I just said to him, don't worry about it. These things happen. Rather than giving him absolute hell about it, he'd finished a lecture at university. He'd gone straight to, the, to get the bus. The bus didn't come. There was a traffic jam. He missed the train. It wasn't his fault. So what he needed from me was to hear the words, don't worry about it, these things happen. That's what he needed, right? Because his day was going badly enough as it is. What he didn't need is, why oh, are you late? And I'm going to have to buy a ticket. No. you. So when things go wrong around you, have an overview. And if you identify that everyone is doing their best, it's going badly, but they're doing their best, then be really patient. And I know with my colleagues that, when things are going wrong, 
when they were going wrong yesterday, they didn't need me to make matters worse by raising uh, the temperature of the situation. They needed a calm person going, don't worry about it, we'll get there in the end. We're okay. We can handle this. We got this. Things go wrong on my show and I just embrace it and I go, it's live telly. It's great. It's proof that it's live. The audience love it when things go wrong. They love it. So embrace that. That ties in with the improv, doesn't it? Just go with the flow. I was on air tonight and hilariously, we were all nicely prepared for the show. Big nine o'clock start. Welcome to the program, you know. I always say in the United Kingdom and across the world. This is dot, dot, dot. Except that my microphone was not attached to my jacket. It was just sort of down my trousers somewhere. This is on live telly. So I completely relax and I go, oh, ladies and gentlemen, you'll have to give me a second. The microphone's in the wrong place. But do you know what? This is proof that the program is live. Anyway, I'm getting my microphone and I'm putting it in the right place. And go, look, most telly, it's pre-recorded, it's scripted, it's predictable. Not this show. It's on the edge. It's live. Things go wrong. But there you go. I went into improv. I didn't panic. I trusted the improvised world. Your brain will give you something. Your brain will come up with something. So whatever the situation, yes, listen, don't get me wrong. I want you to have a plan. I want you to prepare things, do things in advance. But if that plan doesn't work out, then that's when you go improv. Right? I wouldn't go the other way. I used to be a very chaotic person with no plan. Uh, as a comedian, I used to only improvise. I just walk on stage and go, look at that lampshade. It reminds me of my auntie's head. And I would do that for an hour. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was not great. And after a while, I just thought, I can't live like this. I, there's no way that I can just be on stage on living on the seat of my pants nonstop. It's just too stressful. And it's too dependent on me being on really good form and being well fed and watered and rested for my brain to deliver half an hour or sometimes an hour of improv. What the hell? It was feast or famine, really, in terms of quality. Sometimes it was great, sometimes it was not. And I thought, no, I can't do this. I'll have a, I will have an absolute coronary if I carry on at this rate. So what I did is I started writing material. <laughs> so I had a plan. I structured it more and I had material. And what that did is... Um, that was much more relaxing. So you could write the jokes and you could say them every night over and over again and improve them and finesse them. And then the best thing is you could throw some improv in there along the way. Not bad, eh? So that was really good. But yeah, when it's all going wrong, um, support the people around you. A family member of mine had their bike nicked and they basically... It was sort of, I think, maybe not the best place to leave it. But the lock wasn't great. And what I thought was you shouldn't have left it there and you needed a better lock. But they don't need that at that point. They don't want to hear that. They just had their bike stolen. And you just go, that's such a shame. And are you okay? And let's go on eBay and get you another bike. That's what they need. They don't need you to pour a bucket of the brown stuff on them. You don't want to kick people when they're down. You know, maybe then in a few days when the dust has settled, you go, listen, you know, congratulations on the new bike. I think you need a better lock. Maybe don't lock it where you did lock it before. But not at the time, you know. 
I remember I fell off my motorbike a few years ago and somebody I know is that really sort of cross with me on the day and it's like I've just fallen off my motorbike I don't think you should be cross today I think today is the day to love bomb me and go you've fallen off your bike what do you need you're going to be all right you know you can do it in a few days time again you know when the dust has settled you have the accountability but not at the time you've got to judge it you've got to judge it and it's funny about the will be okay thing because I learned something when I was at uni I had a very good friend called Victoria let's name names Victoria brilliant person and uh, she was complaining about men boyfriends and stuff like that we were just mates and she was complaining about the the men in her life and her relationships and stuff and she said what men don't understand is that when you're upset and you've got problems and stuff she said that this was her words not mine but the 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 woman or she in her case she she didn't want like a list of solutions and an action plan she just wanted the guy to say it's going to be okay that's what she wanted she wanted the guy to say it's going to be okay isn't that lovely and isn't she right you just want to be given a hug and just be told it's going to be all right. Now whisper, Angela, whisper. It's going to be all right. By the way, have you noticed I don't do any loud noises on the podcast because I've always tried to create a podcast that I would like to have as well. And I go to sleep very often. I go to sleep with podcasts. And occasionally you'll get a podcast where one of the guests, 30 minutes in, just suddenly starts yelling, maybe as a joke or something, really loudly. Jay Leno, I'm a big fan of his, comedian, late night talk show host of the, I guess, what do you say, the 90s, mainly the 90s, the 2000s, very softly spoken American man, I think originally from Massachusetts, he talks like that, he's got a soft voice, you Jay Leno, eh, no problem, right, quite easy to listen to, quite a restful voice, but then occasionally he just like will do this comedy shouting, and it woke me up a while ago, so I've had to stop listening to Jay Leno. So this this show, I don't raise my voice because I want you. You might be you might be in bed, tucked up in bed, listening to this. So just keep it very calm because you might be sleeping. Um, the other thing I go to sleep with is audio books because then you know there won't be any shouting. And I've been going back to the Arnold Schwarzenegger "Be Useful" audio book. Again, highly recommended. Going to have to get a few more recommendations in for Christmas, aren't I? Because Christmas is coming, 2023. Whilst, I, uh, whilst I'm on that, let's do some products. I'm quite fussy about bins. And there's a very posh... I hope I haven't mentioned this before. If I occasionally repeat myself, I'm really sorry because I don't log the shows properly. And that's my New Year's resolution is to have a log of topics on each show. I do think I'm prone to the occasional repetition. Sometimes I don't mind because I think you want to rehear that message anyway, but you don't want to rehear the same products, do you? But I don't think we've done bins. And I'm a big fan of a brand called Simple Human. Now, I love cheap stuff. Cheap, cheap, cheap. But actually, the Simple Human is not so cheap. But it's just really good quality. It's got a lovely mechanism where you put your foot got the foot pedal and it goes up and it's a very smooth motion to go up 
and a very smooth, quiet motion to go down. And the best thing is that when it's shut, it's really sealed. So I've got a simple human bin in the kitchen. And even if it's stinky and there's nasty stuff in there, you only smell it when you open the bin. When it's closed, it's kind of sealed. So it's good quality. I think what you're paying for is that really sort of feather-like action it's got the sort of silent way that the lid just mellifluously closes whisper soft just like that whisper shut simple human should we have a quick look online see how much they are jesus i bet you i'll embarrass myself now with their cost but can i just say like everything it was cheaper back in the old days probably wouldn't spend the money now simple human by the way, top tip for uh, when you're looking up anything like when you want to buy anything, always put the name of your country in. So you just go simple human UK. I know that's obvious, but people go simple human and they're like, oh, you can get a simple human uh, uh, garbage for $200. And you're like, well, what is $200? I live in the UK. So you put the country in. So simple human UK. Let's see what it comes. I've got their official site. Yeah, whatever. Get over yourself. John Lewis, I think, sell them. Yeah, of course they do. John Lewis is a great British retailer. Amazon do them as well. Okay, allow cookies. Why am I still being asked about cookies many years after we agreed to the cookies? So there you go. A simple human round pedal bin, four and a half litres, $29.95. That's not too bad. Some of the bigger ones... Yeah, that's the one I've got. Do you know what? They're not not—they're not as horrifically expensive as I thought. And they are dear. Of course they're expensive. But not eye-watering. So a rectangular touch bar bin, brushed stainless steel, 30 litres, $129.95. Simple human, really nice. Do they have any fancy ones here? They've got a posh one, 55 litres, 179. What's the most you can spend? Wouldn't it be nice to be rich? I used to work with a very rich comedian before I even got into it, any of that. And he'd send you out for anything like steak or a pair of scissors or you name it. He'd send you out for stuff. And I'd say, which scissors do you want? And he'd say, just get the most expensive ones. Kind of nice, isn't it? Just, when in doubt, just get the most expensive ones. But that is not where i'm at and also i'll be honest with you i've said it on the show before it's fun seeking out value and not wasting money it's satisfying and lots of cheaper things are better than the posh things so actually it's not as simple as it looks but the simple human it is not cheap and it's good i guess you'd call it sort of mid to higher range isn't it it's got a butterfly bin which basically the lid is in two halves and they sort of just open like a Venus flytrap. It's quite nice as well. But I, I, I go for the classic. I would I would go again with what I've already previously had, which is the classic, classic bin solution. But yeah, I like a bin. And you don't really, I mean, what is there to say about bins? I've got one in the bedroom, which is, is basically a bucket, isn't it? It's a brown, it's a wooden bucket, calling itself a bin. It doesn't have a lid. I don't think it needs a lid. I don't think you need a lid in the bedroom or most rooms, really. It's almost nice for it just to air. Presumably there isn't food or anything going into that bin. I think the bathroom bin, for obvious reasons, should be sealed. 
should that should be one that closes properly but otherwise knock yourself out oh that's the other thing i was going to say you've got like simple human and they'll do their bin bags right and they'll have special simple human bags right but like you've got here a pack of 20 is 7.95 which is ridiculous now it's the correct size but it's nearly eight pounds rubbish don't do that you just get the nearest approximate size and hope for the best all right you get me seriously if it fits in the bin just go 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 do not be buying the dedicated branded bin bags because probably that's how they make their money it's like printers you know with university university have gone mad um, with computer printers see i was seeking the word computer there and my brain is so tired it came up with university what's that all about why was that in my head computer printers they make their money don't they from the cartridges not the printer you know they sell you a printer for 50 quid but then the cartridges are like 35 what the actual i beg your pardon what what still looking at bins here i'm getting quite excited by a few of these i think it's time to move on from bins isn't it um can i give you another really good life hack by the way um, a very healthy and eco alternative to sandwich bags. So let's imagine you're making a sandwich. You might have one of those plastic resealable bags. Well, you don't really want your food in a plastic thing. Does that infiltrate the food? Maybe, maybe not. I just don't like the idea of it. It's the same reason I don't like water out of plastic bottles. But also... Um, yeah, I don't. I just don't like um, the proximity of plastic and, and food. For example, I will get a supermarket ready meal, like a curry. It's critical, in my opinion, that you take the curry out of its plastic container, put it into a bowl, and microwave it in the bowl with a lid over it. Don't microwave it in the plastic container because if you think about it, the food's getting hot, the plastic's getting hot. Is that healthy? Is that good for you? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so, man. I don't think so. So what I do, there's two ways that I take food around with me. One and I've mentioned it on the show before, and it's brilliant and cheap and simple. And that is baking paper, like grease. Is it called grease-proof paper? The baking paper. You know this brown paper that can just go in the oven? Baking paper. I wrap my food in that. I had a steak the other day. I just, because, you know, I go low carb, right? No bread or anything. I just had a steak. And I just wrapped it in the paper with an elastic band to hold it all together and that was it just got a steak in my bag wrapped in grease food it's hard to say grease proof paper um, so that's really good but there's another thing you can do if you want it in a bag you know those bio bags that you get for the organic waste you know when you throw away your tea bags and your coffee grounds and your banana peel and all of that it goes into a little caddy for the food recycling well those bags are non-toxic they're non-plastic they're normally made of plant materials or something they naturally biodegrade so i'm quite comfortable with my food touching those eco bags so i occasionally will use that 
as a food container, as a carrier, as a carrier bag, as a sandwich bag. And then you don't have to feel guilty when you chuck it away because it's just going to melt, just melts away. Beautiful. That's my top tip. Um, another excellent idea, and this is for people with glasses, is daily disposable contact lenses. I don't think I mentioned this before, but if you're short-sighted, even if you're not a contact lens person, okay, buy yourself, I don't know, a month's supply of daily disposable contact lenses. So what you'll need is you will need an, op you'll need to go to see the optician and you'll need an appointment where they will do a fitting. And that just means working out the correct size of the contact lens and obviously your prescription. And then what you can do is uh, you can buy the minimum amount of contact lenses from them, right? So just say, look, what is the least I'm obliged to buy? Sometimes they'll just charge you for the fitting and you're not under any obligation to actually buy the contact lenses. Because then here's where this comes in. What you do, you've got you've got your contact lens sort of details. You then go online and you buy them online. Because these daily disposable contact lenses get sent in the post. And the packaging is so neat and efficient and small that all you have to do is, um, all the postman does is put them through letterbox, not even signed for, compact little box with a month's supply through the letterbox. Absolutely brilliant. But it's really nice if you're a glasses wearer because maybe you want to go jogging and you don't want glasses on your face. I love them for skiing. I like them for the beach on holiday when you don't want to wear spectacles. And also it's really nice in the summer if you're on holiday and you don't have prescription sunglasses. Let's imagine you've got a really nice pair of Ray-Bans and they're not prescription. Well, if you're short-sighted, that's a problem. Well, not if you're wearing the daily disposable contact lenses. But the reason why it's really great is because if you buy a month's supply, you know, you might just put them on occasionally. And the idea is they come out of this sealed packet and you just put in two at a time. They last all day. And then you chuck them away. And But the others, if you don't open them, they live in individual packets. Each lens is in a little packet. So if you if you want a month's supply, that would be... Uh, that'd be 60 lenses that'd be 30 pairs right a month's supply it'd be 60 lenses but each lens is individually wrapped and sealed and they last about five or six years i got some recently and they run out in 2028 and let's be honest even then they'll still be fine after that so it's really handy just to have these contact lenses there for occasions when i might want to wear them and they don't go off a month's supply, it might last you two years because you just very occasionally, there might be an occasion where you just don't want to wear glasses. Maybe you're going to do hockey or play football. You obviously can't wear glasses when you're playing football, so that would be a perfect thing. Or maybe you just want to want to be somebody that occasionally just goes off, um, goes about without the glasses but wearing contact lenses. Maybe you just want to have the occasional day, perhaps when you go to a special event, like a ball or someone's big birthday party. And you go, I'm going to go contact lens tonight. I'm going to be spectacle free. It's nice. I can recommend it. Just keeping a little eye on time here because, you know, we're still good. It's all, it's all, it's all running, isn't it? How are you anyway? I'm, I'm persevering. I think you'll agree. Um, daily disposables, bins. Let me, 
let me give you two more things and then we shall go first of all Arnold Schwarzenegger his excellent book which I mentioned just a moment ago a big thing for him is to focus on where you need to improve and for that to be very visible and very transparent so he was a bodybuilder Mr Universe when he went to America and he was massive and all of that like physically massive but he wasn't winning competitions. And one of the reasons why is that in Europe, they didn't care so much about things like the calf muscles. I think it was all like the upper body, big legs, but they weren't worried about like individual, the calf muscles, which is, you know, the lower part of your leg at the back. So he's in America. He's like, well, if I'm going to win this competition, my calf muscles have to be bigger. It's actually quite a hard muscle to like make bigger. It takes a lot of effort just to get them big. It's a very specific muscle group. Uh, so what he did is obviously he did a crazy amount of work on his calf muscles. He focused on his weakness. So that's what we've all got to do, right? If you've got a weak spot, you focus that. You focus and love bomb the weak spot. Bang, bang. This is my... Let's imagine you are um, a footballer and you're not good at taking penalties. Well, then you should be doing penalty practice 24-7 because what will become the weak part of your game, will be, you'll make it the strong part of your game. So it is that thing of finding out the weak spot and then just focusing on improving that making so that you don't have any weak spots it's a terrible thing to get labeled you know oh janice janice is not she's no good on the technicals at work she's she's not she's not a technology she's a luddite no forget it janice if that's her weak spot she can focus on the technology train up and become great on the tech right let's stop labeling ourselves and making it a foregone conclusion of what we're good at what we're not um so the calf muscles he needed big calf muscles. So not only did he do a crazy, relentless amount of work on his calf muscles, which is obviously stands to reason you would do that, but he had these trousers, right? These training, like these jogging trousers. And he, he actually cut them with a pair of scissors. He cut them at the knee so that he would always see his calf muscles. And he could stare at them and they were there just accountable and they weren't big enough. And he could see they're not big enough because he's wearing adapted trousers now where his calf muscles are exposed to scrutiny and accountability. So that's what he did. Special trousers where the calf muscles were exposed because he wanted to drill in on his weakness and make it a strength. And relentlessly every day look at that calf muscle. And watch it grow and that's what you've got to do you've got to find the equivalent of your calf muscle and grow it every day and one thing is for it to be very exposed you know so for example i mean we've got new year coming up i've definitely got some resolutions we'll talk about that in the new year special um but one thing my big thing this year is going to be it would really be time management and being early for stuff that's my dream I'm better, but <laughs> not perfect at all. And, you know, to do the equivalent of the calf muscle, you know, maybe I'll have a thing on the fridge that the family can see. I do a document, piece of paper, and I, it says every day, right, there's a red box, and I get to tick the box every every day that I'm not late for something. Every day where I was early, it gets a box at the, ticked at the end of it. And it's that accountability. And it's also like a game then, isn't it? It becomes satisfying. 
But that's what he was doing with his calf muscles and with those trousers. It was making himself accountable 24-7. That's what we've all got to do. And if we do, you know, we will prevail. Um, okay, that's that. I hope that's helpful. I thought it was really good from old, uh, old Arnold. If you're looking for a kind of get me started, let's have a great year type book, I do think that that book would be nice for you. That would be a good, if you want to read that over Christmas or between Christmas and New Year, you can listen to it as an audio book or you can read it. Um, that's a nice one. I think we should do a New Year's reading list, shouldn't we? That would be good. I've got a little bit of time off over Christmas, so I'm going to sort of uh, read and uh, gen up on a few things and share it with you. And then I'll leave you I'll leave you with two things. First of all, a shop that I really love online. It's called Timu, T-E-M-U. It's Chinese. I think I have mentioned this to you, actually. But it's very cheap. It is like, do you know AliExpress? It's like that. It's a fraction the price of Amazon. And I bought some barefoot shoes, which is basically shoes with a really thin sole. They're lovely. They were like £11. And I wear them a hell of a lot. And I used to have these expensive ones that were like £130, I know, crazy, or 120 definitely over 100 I think. And they were less comfortable, didn't look as good. And they actually made my feet bleed. Can you believe that? And I took them back to the shop with bleeding feet and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do an exchange. I was not happy about that at all. It's like, my feet are bleeding. Is that not enough? I've got bleeding feet. Here is the blood from your shoes. Crazy. They didn't show any discretion. Well, I did not. I got my revenge. The way you get your revenge. Shakespeare said, revenge is a dish best served cold. I simply did not return to that shop and I never will. That's how you do it. You don't shout and run to these people. You just don't go back ever you go to timu instead um i don't know if you will live in a territory this show is global and is listened to around the world you may not live in a territory that timu delivers to but if you do knock yourself out now you would argue you could argue that it's environmentally unfriendly because there's a lot of plastic stuff well i would agree but i mean everyone's doing plastic stuff there's this weird snobbery about cheap places somehow worse for the environment no posh places are also destroying the planet and everything and what it comes back to is as long as you're going to use it so i've got told off for going to primark which is a really lovely cut price shop here in the uk and you can get a pair of jeans i mean the record for me the cheapest the least i paid for jeans was in the sale there they were marked down to six pounds wearing a pair at the moment 12 pounds do you want to see them they're all right aren't they I've done all the uh, flies up, I think so. I mean, that was a bit X-rated, wasn't it? Sorry, got a bit of an eyeful there. Or did you? Well, not an eyeful, depending on your point of view. Uh, I don't feel bad buying them because I'm not going to like, I didn't buy them for a party and then get rid of them, throw them away. I wear them a lot. So if something's environmentally unfriendly, but you're using it a lot, then you're making it less environmentally unfriendly. Now, what's bad is the, the kind of disposable thing where you buy a t-shirt for a party and then don't wear it again. That's bad. But the rest of it, forget it. 
Oh dear, got a bit of a headache today. Not a headache, literally, thank goodness, but an actual metaphorical headache, which is the washing machine seems to have stopped working. And Christmas is coming. And I've got a, I've got a bulging, what? What have I got a bulging? Laundry basket. I cannot have the washing machine. Did I say where? Well, I hope I didn't say dishwasher. The washing machine. Always mix the two up. Washing machine looks like it's maybe down. It's not spinning. It's just turning slowly and everything's soggy. Oy vey, I could do without that. But I'm going to have to just roll my sleeves up and get on with it. I will try to fix it. I will improvise. And if not, I will call a man. Oh. We're so reliant on these devices, aren't we? And then when they break, everything falls apart. Okay, I've got the last thing. I've actually, I mean, it's a shortish pod, isn't it? Well, no, it's not that bad, actually. It's 40 minutes now. But we, I hope, I think we've packed in quite a lot. I've got one more. I'm just going to spoil you today. God knows where I'll get the material for the next one. But here we go. This is, I think, lovely. I was in an open air market. I'll be honest, you know what some of these markets are like. It's a farmer's market and it's a overpriced. So you buy like a bag of mints. It's going to cost you two or three pounds more than the supermarket. You are paying the farmer's market premium. <clears throat> Not ideal. But occasionally I do it because I just think, well, first of all, that, that, that meat, you know, it comes from the farm. The guy that's selling it to me, he knows the cows, do you know what I mean, intimately well. He's on, he's on very good terms with Daisy, the cow. <clears throat> And Bobby the bull. And so occasionally you do, you just go, it's more expensive, but I'm just, I'm making the world a better place, really, and they're grateful for the business. I think you do that, don't you? I think you do that. You can't do all of your shopping from a farmer's market, but you can get, you know, just support them a little bit and get the odd few bits and bobs. And it will taste good, you know. The farmer's market's got sort of weird shaped potatoes that you don't get in the normal supermarket, but actually have real flavour and character. Anyway, so it's good. So we, we actually go there, the farmer's market, regularly on a Sunday. I often don't buy anything. Um, if you think back to a previous episode, I've talked a lot about the joy of window shopping, of just looking at stuff and then not buying it, right? It's nearly as good as buying it. You don't actually need the transaction to have fun. I've become really good at just looking at stuff and imagining what it would be like to own it and then leaving the shop without it. It's not bad. Try that. Try that as an exercise. It's a good exercise, being able to go into a shop, look at stuff and don't buy it. And if you're still thinking about it the next day, that's when you go back. That's the Dolan test, the 24-hour rule, just like casinos. You have 24 hours to think about it. Do I really want this? Anyway, so two Sundays ago, the weather was terrible. It was raining, it was not raining, it was raining, it was not raining. But I, we decided that we just needed to get out. You have that? I've just got to get out. And by the way, don't be afraid of the rain. Just have a waterproof jacket. The Norwegians say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad kit. So you put on your boots. Remember that I said I think you need hiking boots for the winter? So hopefully you've got those now. Or you'll be given them for Christmas. I've got my hiking boots on. I've got my waterproof jacket. I brave the elements. And I get there and actually we're rewarded where it eases up a little bit. It stops raining a bit whilst we're in the market. Maybe a light drizzle. And it was so quiet. There were very few people, very few visitors to the farmer's market, very few customers. And all these, I felt so sorry for the stall holders standing around. And I went up to the green grocer who is selling 
you know, cabbage and potatoes and fruit and all the rest of it, you know. And they've got all this stuff laid out, right? So they've had to drive there. They've had to get up very early in the morning, probably like, yuck, five in the morning maybe, freezing cold, rain, put on their coats and then what would they do? They get into the van, drive the van to the venue and then unpack all the groceries from big boxes and then lay it all out. And they're being rained on at this point. And then they and they're there all day at the farmer's market there's no customers because it's raining and they've laid out all their fruit and veg and some of it's going to go rotten and go off and you know are they going to lose money they're probably going to lose money it's not even a break even that day and i remember um well i felt obviously felt sorry for them but we did buy four apples <laughs> because it was one of those expensive stalls right so we just stretched ourselves to four apples which no word of a lie, came to about £2.50. What the hell? Are you mad? Are you having a laugh? It was about that, I promise you. It was in excess of 50p per apple. Good apples, but seriously, who's got that money? Anyway, we did it. So we plonked these four apples onto the scales and we were charged. And I just said, oh, well done, you guys, for coming out. You know, if you know customers already, it must be frustrating and he just said, well, we just, you know, we do it anyway. You know, we do it anyway. And I think this is a great philosophy for all of us, which is that you do it anyway, that you're, you're committed to the enterprise, you're committed to that thing, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, whether it's a hobby. But this guy, he's just like, I'm a greengrocer and that's what I do. I get up in the morning and I sell vegetables to the public, expensive, overpriced vegetables to well-meaning middle-class people. And he doesn't do that thing where it's like, oh, I don't fancy it today, or I've got a headache, or I've had a row with my missus, or it's raining outside. It's just, this is what we do. We just get up early and we unload and we, we go for it. And I think that mentality is really good because I think... This show is all about putting you in the top 5%, isn't it? How do I give you the extra edge? Well, one way is for you to be somebody that just does stuff properly as a kind of automatic thing. It's not even questioned. It's like, this is, this is what we do. And we go out every day. David Beckham, with his free kicks, you go out every day. Rain, sun, sleet and snow. He's got his football under his arm. And he's banging it into the back of that net. Hands are blistered with the cold. Lips all chapped. Icicles hanging off his eyebrows. Those harsh Manchester winters. Wet and cold and windy. And gloomy. He just does it. It's what he does. The greengrocer gets up at four or five in the morning. Maybe tired, maybe hung over. God knows what. No time for breakfast. And there he is with a van. Great, massive, heavy crates of cabbages loaded in, loaded out. Fingers like blocks of ice. Face burning red from the harsh wind. And he just, um, he just gets on with it. It's what he does. It's what we do. I'm a greengrocer. I sell overpriced vegetables to well-meaning 
middle class people. And that is it. You know, there's a lovely, uh, there's a good play. He'll be flattered when I say this. Shakespeare, it's a good play by Shakespeare. Well done him. Definitely getting there in terms of the um, the quality of writing is definitely on the up with William Shakespeare. And there's that line from King Lear, reason not the need. Don't analyse the need for something. You know, why are you doing that? Why are you going out today? It's raining. Don't read. This is what we do. Don't don't be trying to analyse why we're doing this. You know, it's what we do. We're professionals. I think that's what it is. We are professionals. I've said this before on the show. Treat it like a hobby and it will pay like a hobby. Treat it like a job and it will pay like a job. That's mine, by the way. You're welcome. You are. How are you getting on with this microphone? Do you like the sound of it? I hope it's all right. The other good one will be um, back soon, I promise. But, you know, curious how this one sounds. I will, I'm going to get it back to my home studio and it will hopefully benefit from the better acoustics. Um, it's not impossible that I will return it. By the way, a quick thing on this microphone. There is a little parable there as well, which is to make the best of a bad situation. So, for example... Somebody crashed into my motorbike and wrote it off. And that was very annoying. It was very bad. But do you know what? I needed a new motorbike. That one was rubbish and kept breaking down. So although it's not good to be have someone crash into your motorbike, it was a great thing, really, because then it forced me. I had no choice. Before that, I couldn't justify buying a bike. It's like, I've got a bike. I'm not going to upgrade it, even though it's unreliable. But I had that decision taken away from me, and that was a lovely thing. So I made the best of a bad situation, really. And it's the same with the microphone breaking, because what I've done now is two things. I discovered that I can record on the laptop, which is what last week's show was. And I thought it sounded OK. But secondly, I do like this little dinky one, which was only £31. And it's a perfect size for travel, which means I now have a travel microphone. So thanks to the Shaw Posh microphone breaking, I now have a nice travel mic which means that when i'm away i can knock out one of these we can have a bit of a laugh together with a proper microphone whereas the big the big sure one's too big to carry so it's a win-win really always making a positive out of every situation and remember the green grocery you know it gets up early in the morning it's what we do it's what we do we don't analyze it and you'll see that in life as you go about your life you look in your career and you look at the people around you people you work with and there are some people they just grind it out they're just professionals you know, look at the great artists churn out great material. The Beatles, people like that, an album every year, two albums every year. They just all the others chilling out, having a party, going to the beach. They're like, oh, make another record. It's what we do. You know, the work ethic. It's not a bad thing. It's very rewarding. It's very satisfying. Being lazy doesn't make you happy. It's actually a neurosis. It causes great anxiety and dissatisfaction. People that work hard, they are the most fulfilled. They're the happiest. I used to work behind the bar of my dad's pub and you'd have builders that would come in. They've just done a 10-hour shift, you know. They've absolutely, they've blitzed it. Back-breaking work, you know, plastering, roofing. Real tough grind. And they get in there and they have that pint and that pint tastes good and by God, they've earned it. And they've got 200 quid in their pocket, paid in cash. They've got money in their pocket. They've got a cold beer in their hands. 
got a sense of satisfaction and pride and they're going to go back and they're going to do it again tomorrow much better than the person sat at home just you know doom scrolling on their smartphone watching reruns of sitcoms on netflix it's not living work is the gift of the gods you know it is a tremendous thing it's a great blessing it liberates you i think we'll do a whole special on the work ethic soon because it's something that i've come to later in life i've always had it in flashes when there was a goal but in recent years i just see it as an end in itself hard work and it's a superpower and it's free it costs you nothing you can just just be a hard worker. Just click my fingers now. There you go. I've made you a hard worker. Um, it's been lovely to have your company. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. And uh, where are we? We're on episode 47. We're, we're getting very close to number 50, aren't we? Well, would you believe it? The next one. Is this true? Yes. The next one will be the Christmas special. So I'm looking forward to that all sorts of christmas goodies for you then we'll have episode 49 then episode 50 and i think 49 is the new year one so we'll see what we can do for that but it's going to be very inspirational so anyway there you go um thank you so much for listening and do tell your friends and family about the show please give me an honest rating wherever you listen to your podcasts because that allows more people to hear and or see the show have a great seven days and see if you can improvise a bit every day. Okay, give me 10 minutes of improv and see what happens. And I think you'll find you're in a very good place. See you next week. Lots of love and goodbye. <laughs>